Hi, this is Jared Krauss. I'm the host of Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Kyle Roof. He is the founder of High Voltage SEO, Internet Marketing Gold, and Page Optimizer Pro. Now, Kyle is a world-class SEO. He is so good at what he does. Now, in this podcast episode, Kyle and I dive in and we talk about how SEO is always changing, how it's ever-evolving, and we talk about what you need to do to stay ahead of the pack. We also talk about how you can actually structure your pages and your articles so you can give Google what they want, right? Give Google what they want, which will help you get ranked and also get more traffic. We also talk about keyword stuffing and how there's never a perfect amount. We dive into EAT and what you need on your site. We also talk about user design a little bit, and we also share some SEO tools that will be valuable for you to know. So guys, this is such an incredible episode. It's so value-packed. If you are thinking about buying a website business, or you're about to buy a website business, or you own a website business, make sure you listen to this podcast episode. You are going to love it. Before we get stuck in this episode and before you even buy a website, you need to understand how to buy the website. You need to understand due diligence so you don't buy yourself a lemon, which is why I want to give you my due diligence framework, which a lot of people have been raving about. A lot of people have been getting great results with it. And this framework basically outlines the questions you need to ask the seller and the things you need to know and understand about the business before you actually go away and buy it. To get this for free, go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources and there's some other awesome free resources on that page too. Check it out, guys. Now, let's jump in and listen to this podcast episode. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish, so from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you, but again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odis, where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odis done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash B-O-B podcast. Link will be in the description too. Hey, Carl. Thanks for coming on the Buying Online Business podcast. How are you doing? Oh, right on. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's great to have you. I flicked you a few things before and there's some interesting things, maybe maybe controversial even, that we're going to be talking about, which is quite cool. <laughs> there's no point unless it's not fun and controversy is usually where the fun lies. Isn't it great that everybody looks at diff- SEO from a different perspective and can be really good at one thing and, and it works for them and not so good at another thing and somebody else can be great at that. Like this, that's what I love about this space. Oh, for sure. There are a lot of different ways to skin this cat. And I think you see that in business though. There are some people that really excel just in one aspect of business and they're terrible at something else, but that doesn't mean they aren't wildly successful and, and good at what they're doing. So 
it's kind of nice that SEO kind of mirrors life in that way that you can be really solid here, not great there and still be a fantastic SEO and get great results. Yeah, it's like me. I'm 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 pretty bad at most things in business, but I can just talk. <laughs> That's all <laughs> you need. Anything that works for me. <laughs> That's all you need. Uh, so, yeah, SEO. Like you see people doing local SEO. You know, I mean, you, local SEO is a different story because most people come to you with a with a business and like, hey, I don't know anything. Can you just do that? But aside from the local SEO part a lot of people get into this space to buy content sites or they may have an e-commerce brand and they'll do a little bit of like e-commerce SEO and stuff like that. Um, and they can learn it themselves or they can have, you know, people like you go away and do it. But those people that do do it themselves, what do you see that mo- like they're getting wrong? Like 90% of the time or what are 90% of the things that are actually getting wrong? Because I know this is a big, broad question, but like off the top of your head, we can go down some rabbit holes. But what do you see that people could be improving on? No, I see a few common mistakes and it's from uh, people that are just starting SEO up to very large um, companies, you know, multinational companies. One thing is not giving Google the page that it wants. I had a situation where this person was telling me that they had this uh, product. (laughs) It was in a funny space, but um, they were number one for years and just crushing it. And then all of a sudden, their pay started to drop. And when they contacted me, they were like on page five, six, seven, somewhere just abysmal. And they were usually top one, two, three for years upon years. And when I looked at them, they, the page that was ranking so well was a product page. It was a single product page. And when you searched for that product, Google now had top 10 review roundups all on page one. And what they couldn't understand is they were giving Google the wrong page. Google didn't want to rank a single product page anymore for this particular product or for the keywords. It wanted an article and it wanted an article with several options is what it appeared. And, and even though you're a single product, you can still create a page that looks like that. That still uh, satisfies that, that concept of these are different points on this page and these are different things. And you can create a page, even if you really want to talk about your product is doable, but the person was trying to give Google a page that it didn't want to rank. So one of the first things you want to do when you're setting out like, okay, we want to rank for these things or we want to do this or that, what is Google rewarding? Is it a single product page? Is it a category page? Is it a, is it a long form article? Or is it a bit of a mix? And then that can guide what type of page that you're going to um, create. Often the best way to do it is to have a product page and then an article type page and then they link to each other. And then you have supporting content linking into each of those things. So then you give yourself the best opportunity, you know, as the winds of Google might change, you have both, you know, you've got that product and maybe it's a little bit fleshed out than just a normal product page. And then you've also got that article type page to give yourself the best chance to win. But one of the biggest mistakes is just trying to ram something into Google that Google will never rank and doesn't want to rank at that moment. Yeah. And, and, or like just a touch before we bring up more and, or people will create what Google's rewarding a piece of content that Google's rewarding for its keyword and then two years or a year down the track, Google's rewarding something else and it's not an evergreen. I mean, the the concept may be evergreen or the product may be evergreen, but the what Google's rewarding has changed, right? And that's why oh, you see sure. these, yeah. Well, that, that's where SEO isn't a one-time thing. You didn't do your SEO and now you're you're good to go. It, it actually, a lot of SEO is monitoring, you know, monitoring the SERPs, monitoring what Google is doing, and, and not that you have to be all knowledgeable about Google, but just with your eyes seeing like what's happening in this SERP. To, to your point, often what happens is the, the bigger players get a lot of user-generated content. 
they get comments put on the pages and it grows out these pages and it really raises the the bar to entry into a lot of keyword space because there's no way for you to create a 20,000 word page that's going to compete with them but they didn't start off that big they started off with a 2,000 word page and then over time they slowly but surely accumulated so mimic that in real life you know as you are thinking about your long-term SEO okay we're on page one that's great what should we do to stay here probably adding a little bit of content slowly but surely dripping it in might not be a bad play. So that way you can, you can personally raise the bar to entry into that particular space. I think it's a great strategy because you've, as your product evolves, say you say we're sticking with an e-commerce business as your product evolves and you get comments on your product and then you have a different page that's kind of promoting that product or talking about a list of different products. You could take screenshots of those comments and just, just grab content and bring it over. Right. Absolutely. And then the big thing too, is you've got those two pages, make sure they link to each other, you know, (laughs) (laughs) very simple interlinking is very powerful, but then let's say you've got a total of six questions around the topic that are great to answer, but they don't really fit in putting them on a page because, you know, stylistically, or might goes a little uh, too far afield or away from maybe your talking point, but it's still good content. Well, choose three of those and link just to the article and choose three and link just to the product. You've now created a top and bottom silo so that as link juice comes in, as they accumulate traffic and links and solid signals, then that passes up into both those pages and then across again. And you've created a very powerful structure for your site that gives you really, I think, the best chance to to get something done. Additionally, those articles usually go after longer tail phrases or long uh, keyword phrases. They're going to rank on their own. They're going to get traffic for you. It's probably the traffic you want. And if you've done your links correctly, they're going to get to the place where they can convert. Yeah, and also each of those interlinking articles are going to be seen as more valuable by Google because of the, like you said, the link juice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What else do you see that's pretty common that people they obviously forget that? Hey, like Google's an ever ever great ever growing machine, and we need to give them what they want. But what else do you see that they kind of lapse on? I guess a massive miss, and I just ran into this yesterday. I was in a proposal for a huge company, and if you live in Europe, you know them. And uh, I was talking (laughs) with their team, and they didn't have the concept that if you want to rank for something, you need a page for it. (laughs) And and that sounds, it's deceptively simple, but this happens all the time, and and I've, I've spoken to people that are very well-versed and people that are just getting started, but it's a concept that's easy to miss. Often what happens is I'll be talking to somebody like, I want to rank for X, Y, Z. And I said, okay, what page on your site have you optimized for that? And you'll just kind of hear crickets and they'll say, well, we've optimized our site for it. And that's (laughs) not how it works. Google doesn't rank sites. Google ranks pages and ranks pages for particular keywords or concepts. And so if you don't have something on your site that is dedicated to that particular thing that you want to rank, you're really doing yourself a disservice. So having a map of these are our target pages and our target pages are going after high level keywords that must be mapped out on the site. And that must be clear. People often, I think, really start to overthink things quickly. And really at the end of the day, if you don't have a page for the thing you want to win, you will not be successful. Yeah. So basically it's one keyword per page, right? Like one or one page per keyword, vice versa. Yeah. I call them primary keywords. The thing that you realize is once you optimize for a primary keyword, you win at secondaries. And a lot of people, I think, instantly get into the weeds on the idea of secondaries. Like, well, what about the variation of this keyword? And I had a best or, or, you know, like some small little thing. Well, you can see which keywords are related. 
you can often then doing a little extra research, figure out which one is the primary or the one that is kind of the head of all of those. And then if you optimize for that one, you'll win those secondaries. And then a good strategy is the secondaries are the most important to you. Those become your subheadings, your H2s and your H3s on the page. And then you have a page now that will rank for hundreds, thousands of keywords, which a good page should. Yeah. So this is a really good thing to talk about because a lot of people that are listening are content site owners and they will want to have really good subheadings and, and stuff like that. So how do they, what's a, what's a common way that somebody would go from keyword to having multiple subtitles and stuff like that? I'll give you an uncommon way that I teach that I think is very effective. So uh, do your search for your primary. And, and I would say, really don't overthink that one. When you do the search for, for a keyword, if you're looking at those top 10 results and most of them have it in the title, you know, in the meta title and in their, their H1 on the page, that's your primary. Mm-hmm. Scroll to the bottom of that, of the SERP, and you'll see the related searches. Now, half of those are going to be relevant and half aren't. Pick the one that you like the most. And this could be one that has the most search volume itself, but it could also be the one that uh, takes the page in the direction you want to go. Because you'll notice if you look at those related searches, if you were to kind of start writing about one of those, you would take a page this direction, you could take a page that direction. So pick the one that is best for you. Click on that one and and you'll do another Google search. Scroll to the bottom of that page. You have another set of related searches. Mm. If you find the matching related searches between those two sets, you have now created a page that is semantically related and Google has shown you exactly what it likes. Perfect. So those matching subheadings or those related searches become your key subheadings on the page. Now, you'll probably have more subheadings because usually you'll get two, three, four matches out of that. But those first two, three, four are going to be very strong, very semantically related, and they're going to help you create pages that are extremely strong. It's giving Google exactly what it wants. And Google told you, you didn't need any magic fairy dust or a tool. You simply just follow the Google and say, hey, this is what's related because this is what I think. And there's no point in trying to teach Google something else. So follow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> follow what Google's showing you. I like that. I like that a lot. So this is where people go, okay, cool. I've got my I've got my primary keyword and I've got some H2 titles and, and some starts of paragraphs and stuff like that. And a lot of people are like, all right, how many how many times should I mention the keyword, Kyle? And then some people may or may not have heard of LSI. So can we bring up this to people's consciousness of, of LSI versus keyword stuffing? Firstly, what is LSI? <laughs> so LSI, it stands for uh, latent semantic indexing. Latent means other, semantic means meaning. So it's using other words to create meaning is really the idea. It's context. The example I give all the time is that if you're talking about a kitchen, LSI could be sink, stove, refrigerator. You're talking about a physical kitchen. Or it could be celebration, family, love, home. And now you're talking about that the kitchen is the heart of the home. And when families have celebrations that come together and cooking and eating is a, a shared tradition. Mm-hmm. Totally different meaning, when, totally different conversations when you're talking about a kitchen, right? So the, the LSI, those terms then create context for what you're actually talking about. I would note at the outset that old school SEOs really hate the term LSI. And they'll tell you that there are no such thing as LSI keywords. And they're right in that the term is lazy. It, it's, a, it's a lazy, inaccurate term. And, and LSI is not really what those should be called, but the industry has adopted the term. And I think that's just where we're at. We're wrong with it. But what we mean are contextual terms, terms that provide context and meaning to your text. Those are important to get on the page because Google needs to understand what you're talking about. And the only way for Google to do that is to find those terms that are common amongst all the documents that are ranking for a particular thing that they can say like, okay, this thing is about that thing. Mm -hmm. And it can gain that understanding through those uh, contextual terms. 
but they come up naturally right when you're writing right like you normally yeah. this is what i'll tell my writers these will come up quite naturally don't try push it or force it if so one of the advantages of doing your h2s like i discussed is that if you then fulfill those areas like answering that question or to explaining what that thing is the lsi should naturally come along mm. i think if you and this is maybe another thing that 90% of people miss is most people don't outline a page before they write. And I mean, we all went to school, we all had an essay to write and we were all told to do an outline. And we all said, that teacher's an idiot. And you just, you know, <laughs> and you just, and you just write your essay and you wrote a terrible essay, right? And it required rewrite after rewrite after rewrite and draft and draft and you turn it in B plus. And if you had taken the time to do the outline like you should have done at the beginning, you would have written a much better page. It's the same thing with, with doing a, a web page for a, for a website. If you take the time to outline something, mm. you will write a better page. So if you take the time to outline, do the research we're talking about. Then when you fill in the, you know, the areas in between where the text would go, you're naturally going to have a better page. It's kind of like people that think like, how the hell would I write a book? But right. those people that know how to write a book know that you need a skeleton yeah. which is what I reverse engineered for writers is, is having a, you know, I just type, call it a skeleton. You've got all your, your titles and stuff. Oh, that, well, it's the same exact thing when you think about building a website is writing a book and, and, and nobody tells you that until you're halfway through and you're like, I hate writing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> writing is the absolute worst. What am I doing? But that's really what a website is. And so it's the same concept. If you don't have that good outline, you're going to miss something somewhere that's actually going to be rather detrimental. So take the time to outline and then fill it in. So back to your original question though, the LSI are those terms that provide context and meaning. There are really three important terms. There's your primary keyword, right? So your, your target keyword, but then there are variations of that. And what's really nice is Google gives those to you. If you do a search for your term, look at the SERPs and look at those terms that are bolded in the SERPs. Google is saying, look what a great job I did at bringing these results to you. This is exactly what you wanted. And it turns out that what you'll see are extremely close synonyms, like lawyer for attorney type of synonyms, or you'll see phrase match if you have a longer phrase for your keyword. turns out those are ranking factors. And you don't necessarily need to get your exact keyword in on the page repeatedly, because that's usually terrible anyway. It's those variations the phrase match and very close synonyms that'll do a lot of the heavy lifting. And then in addition to the LSI, now you've got good content, but how you really figure that out, like what you want is the thing to understand is that Google is an algorithm. That means it's math. Google cannot read like you can read. It can't look at a page and be like, oh, this is amazing prose. I'm going to rank this well. That's, that's not what it's doing at all. It's, it's looking how many times you have placed your, your primary keyword, your variations and your LSI in very specific places. So that at the end of the day, it comes down to counting it's counting where you need to put those things and then which places, you know, your H1s, your H2s, your H3s, paragraph text, anchor text, et cetera, on down the list. And it's, it's a matter of doing that math. But if you had done the, the outline at the beginning, that part is usually round two. You know, it's usually a small edit for the math, not starting with the math and then trying to write. Yes. If you do a good outline and write appropriately, you've written a great piece of content and then it's coming in and doing small, fine tweaks to get the SEO where it needs to be. And is there such thing as like, you? if we're talking about maths here, is there such thing as like putting the keyword in the in the article or on the page a certain number of times? Is that still a thing or, or, or are these synonyms and LSI and, you know, context keywords sort of doing that job? 
It's definitely still a thing. I would say that if you're really not a math person, you're like, I can't, I can't do that at all. I promise that if you put your keyword in your URL, your meta title, your H1 and one time in the body, you've probably done 70% of SEO. Like that's, that's probably it. Like, and I, and I wouldn't stress. And then I would just, again, if I've got my outline, then I'm going to feel pretty good about what I'm doing. But otherwise, you do want to count those things because as you get into more competitive niches, more competitive terms, you know, it does ramp up a little bit. But you will find, by and large, that you need to use your exact keyword fewer times than what you think. Now, if somebody tells you that using it two times, here's stuffing, that person isn't on it because it's not a magic number. Yeah. You know, it's not like three is, you know, two is, is good, three, that's too many. That, that's that not would how it change works. per per keyword, primary keyword and industry and niche and everything, right? 100%, as do the variations and how many times you need to place them in places, as do the contextual terms. Mm -hmm. Cool, yeah. Awesome, that's great. Now, we mentioned before we even hit the record buttons about this thing called EAT or EAT. Now, what's your opinion on this on this concept? Is it is it something we should be aware of or is it something we should be taking notice of? Is it something that if you own a, a site, specifically a content site, that you, you should kind of adapt to that or are there some things that we're we're having the wool pulled it over our eyes so eat stands for uh, expertise authoritativeness trustworthiness and you can do whichever variations on those terms you like according to your grammar preference but where this comes from is the there was an update 2018 that it looked like it it was called the medica update and it looked like it was going after sites with dubious medical claims by and large. But then people noticed that like, hey, there's some real sites here that got swept up as well, sites that are, are doing pretty well. When I was looking at it, I realized that the sites that were real sites only appeared that way to human beings. Like I can look at that site and be like, yeah, this is a legit site. But uh, a, a bot couldn't come through and compare you know, Dr. Legit to Dr. Fake just based on the content and a pretty picture of the doctor. But what I realized is that sites that were passing through were sites that had a, uh, a verified address. They had a local phone number. They had multiple emails, like one for complaints, one for media, not just a, a generic contact form. And what I started to realize conceptually is I think Google wants or has a preference toward businesses that it can identify. They can understand that this is a real business. And because if you're a real business, then you carry things like liability insurance. You're held to an actual standard. So like, let's say somebody uses your product and they are harmed, who can they go for help? You know, and if, if Google can't establish that, and this makes perfect sense to me that if you, if there's no way to get redress, what if I just need to return this product? What if it's defective? You know, and then worst case, what if it's harmed me? Where do people go? And so in order to, to have an easier way to handle that, having things that Google can identify this as a real business only makes sense to me. That's what I would do. And that's what I would focus on is, you know, and, and I can hear every affiliate marketer saying like, oh, but getting an address is so hard. I work from home. Well, that's called running a business. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. an address. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. You know, like- but, well, So you what know, you're saying is you, you, each site needs to be, have some level of spot responsibility really. Right. And when you think about it, Google can't walk to you and be like, oh, you're totally legit. Give you a handshake and move on. And it's not one thing because, you know, you can be like, well, they did this and they didn't do that. And they, no, it's not one thing. You have to figure it's, it's a list of things and it's ticking enough boxes to get through. Mm -hmm. So look at your competitors in your space, see what they have, tick those boxes at a, at a bare minimum. Yeah. Is what I would do. 
Yeah. And then a very important point on all this, though, is that some people are like, you know, I did all this stuff and my ranking didn't go up. Your ranking's not going to go up. This isn't, <laughs> no, that's not going to, that's not going to do anything. Like putting an address on your page isn't going to have your rankings go up. But what will likely happen is the next time Google comes through and starts slapping sites, you're going to keep the rankings that you had. Yeah. You know, you're not going to drop. And if somebody else messed up, that's actually where you will get the ranking improvement. But it won't be, you know, I added a local phone number to my site and now I'm doing better. That, that's that's now not it at all. One. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to do it. But it'd be like, you know what? I was number seven and now I'm number six because the guy in front of me got slapped. And user experience, is, is that actually going to help us get ranked higher at all? Or is that the same? Like when we come around with a Google update, is it that we won't be affected because our sites, you know, got some good user experience and because I know Google's kind of like really paying attention to this lately, aren't they? Yeah. Like with core of vitals and stuff like that. And then you have to figure they can track a lot with Google analytics as well. And then people logged into Chrome. But the problem is when you, when you, when you try to test these things, I haven't seen anybody that's successfully shown consistently that any particular user signal will actually move rank and even traffic or even click through rate. And those kind of things you can see a lot of evidence for, but it's hard to nail down. The one thing that I, I, I lean towards would be focusing on traffic. Sites that get more traffic do better, mm-hmm. you know, and it, that's just kind of the nature of it. So then, you know, what you might see as a user signal increase, time on sites up, uh, bounce rate is down, is really just a site that's getting more traffic. So the, the signalary could be there in the traffic, and that's, that's really more what you want to cue in on than anything else. But it's really those things are really hard to nail down. I am a fan of traffic as well, because it would be a way for Google to vet backlinks. If a backlink, if no traffic ever comes through a backlink, then it's worthless. And Google could monitor that. And then instead of doing some sort of page rank juice type thing, they would just do how much referral traffic is coming through a particular link and give a value that way. And I think that would actually be a cost effective way for them to handle spam. In my mind, if I'm looking at where Google might be going or where the future is, I wouldn't necessarily focus in on user metrics or social signals, but I'd be focusing in on, am I getting the right traffic? And where is that traffic coming from? And those are the kind of things, if I'm future, you know, proofing my site or kind of like, where do we need to go? I would, I would hone in on traffic more than anything. And would you be thinking about, like you mentioned, and wouldn't you probably are already thinking about like with these backlinks, you know, if people are purchasing them and there's actual no real traffic coming to the site that Google can go, well, we can see that you've just asked for this, whether you pay for it or not, you ask for it at, at least. And what about, I, I like to think about, no, I like to future pace as well in, in the, not just the backlink building, but so many other things. And if it were, if I am to think about backlinks where if I was to purchase backlinks or ask for a backlink, what if, the backlink that I did get sent traffic, but it wasn't the right traffic. Would Google be able to know that as well? Most likely. So where, where do you sit on this whole backlink strategy? Because it's very, very controversial here, isn't it? So I've noticed a lot of people have never read the Google guidelines. And so you'll, you'll hear statements like all backlinks are bad. And that's not the case. Or any SEO violates Google's policy. And that, that's also not the case. Because backlinks still make up part of their decisions, right? Absolutely. And you can see that, you know, for sure. I would argue that on-page does more of the heavy lifting because if you dial in your on-page, it does seem to be that you need fewer backlinks. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a 
driving a clutch, if you've ever done that. The thing about backlinks is that uh, you are not allowed to buy them, but you are allowed to advertise. So if you're making it clear that this is a paid placement, that this site didn't just magically decide to write an article about my product and say how glowing it is, because that's not going through an editorial review is what the guidelines talk about, then you're okay. You know, and in that sense, you're, if you've made it perfectly clear that this is an advertisement, your backlink is okay. So most of what most people are doing in terms of purchasing backlinks, there is a white hat way to do it. And it's really just acknowledgement, come clean. <laughs> and, and then you're completely within the guidelines at that point, because you're allowed to advertise your site. You're allowed to, to, to say how great you are somewhere else. It's just um, when you're trying to be sneaky about it. And the other thing you can't do is mash buttons. You can't push a button and get a thousand backlinks. Automated is, is right out. But after that, if you're doing it as a business would, like think of it as how like a PR company would do it. A PR company is going to make an individual relationship. They're going to pay for that placement because it makes sense because that site has traffic you know, and it has the people that they want, you know, then, then, and you're making it clear that this is a paid sponsorship promotion, then you're fine. So that's, think of it like you're a PR company on a backlink builder. And I think you get past a lot of the issues. Can you give a bit of an example? Say somebody owns a site, they're like, all right, I want to get some backlinks. I want to buy some white hat backlinks. Mm-hmm. Are they going to go to backlink slash PR agency and say, hey, can you create a, a page that is quite clearly an advertisement page to push traffic to my site? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can definitely do that. I mean, you can, I found even with PBN builders, mm. If you're paying, they'll do what you want to do. You know, like you can probably still like, hey, you know, these guys are really effective. You need to ask them to say, like, can you put this as sponsored on that page? They'll do it. Yeah. So as long as it's a sponsored link. Yeah. So you can use rel sponsored within, and um, I haven't seen any problems with that passing juice. And it's in Google's best benefit to not do that, I think, mm-hmm. because if they did, then um, people would just go back into the shadows. So if they want to identify what's an ad and what isn't, they probably want to make sure that still passes juice. And then it comes into a game of like money, <laughs> like for, for businesses, it's like just fucking sink some money into backlinks, then you can get a bunch of a bunch of traffic. And it's you know you only want to pay for the right traffic, right? It's kind of like if you look at it through marketing on any channel, like paid ads, Facebook, Twitter, Google, you're paying to get traffic. It's the same with backlinks; you're paying to get traffic. That's exactly right. I mean, you're allowed to do any type of advertising to get traffic, and that's okay. The other thing too is in the mindset, if you're thinking about it for the traffic, you end up making better decisions. You know, and maybe instead of getting three suspect links, you know, three dodgy ones, you combine that cost and get one good one. But then that, here's a crazy thing that happens. Somebody comes through and they make a sale and it's like, whoa, like <laughs> wasn't that the whole idea in the first place, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, oh, I just need backlinks, but like what's actually people- The purpose at the end of the day is to make money. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't really- focused on the thing and they've just tried to reverse engineer it and they've got so deep down into the weeds that like I'm focusing on this now and it can actually detract from making the sale. Yeah. And I mean, you have to think too, of like, Hey, I need 10 referring domains to compete with the site that's on page one. They didn't get all those in one day. You know, they didn't go out and that was accumulated over time. You know, there's a time issue to this. And so you kind of, if you're looking at this for a long-term investment, then do it the way we're talking about. And then you're going to be fine for the long-term in a much better position. If you need it done tomorrow, then, and you can take the risk, then, you know, that's your choice. You have to figure out how risk tolerant versus risk adverse you are and then make your business decisions accordingly. I like to think of it as, and I've said this a few times on the podcast in, in other interviews, that some people 
want to play games in business and in life. And if you're trying to play a game against the biggest competitor in the world or the biggest company in the world, such as Google, most often you're going to lose. So why would you play a game with them and try and hide things? Like it's like, it's just, it's so silly that you should hide things in your life or in your business. And those people that are trying to play a game most often against Google and hide those sorts of backlinks and all these different things that they're doing, they're going to lose, right? Well, what I've found is in the end, you know, like the person that does maybe something that's in flagrant violation of the guidelines and then they accelerate to the top, right? But then they usually crash and then they find the next greatest thing and they excel and then they crash. And the amount of money and time that they spent is really the same, but, you know, with the person who did it slow and steady and, and they're on their way up. So it's kind of like uh, maybe in addition to risk tolerance and risk averse, like how's your blood pressure? Um, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. How's your how's your quality of life? It's actually you're right. Like I actually think it could even be. I actually really strongly believe it's it's less effort because if you're learning one tactic and it works, and then you're like it doesn't work, you freak out. Like you said, you got that level of stress, and then you go back, learn another tactic. You got to learn all these sorts of things. But what if you just learn one thing to do it really, really well, and you did it for a long period of time, and the compounding of that really added to your favor? The only thing I would add is that people do get into the mindset of doing what we're talking about isn't doing anything. You know, it's like letting their sight sit and go. And that's that's not what we're talking about at all. You do need to make, be making concerted efforts. You know, thinking about SEO isn't doing SEO. You know, you, you have to have that content schedule. You have to be in it. You have to be watching. You have to be doing the counting that we've been talking about to making sure that your, your pages are hitting what they need to do. You need to be doing the keyword research to make sure you're posting content in the right tiers and doing that correctly. So, there is a lot to it. It's just a different type of work. And in my mind, it's a less stressful and a longer term, more profitable way to do it. Yeah, spot on. We could have got caught out by people having the perception. I just put up my site and I let it go. And, and Yeah. It's just like manifesting, right? Just, nah, just, exactly. just, think I just about send it out to the Google universe and, yeah, and my rankings are going to appear. Think about it and Amazon's just going to put that thing on my doorstep. Like, I'm glad that you said that. I really, really am glad that you said that. So last sort of question I want to talk about is tools. Like people love to know what sort of tools are, are important. Now, because you've got a big agency, a lot of the tools that you'll be using will be expensive compared to what most people can afford. But what would you say the most valuable tools that people should be using? Like the, probably the five most valuable SEO tools that, that people with themselves or a small team? <laughs> yeah, you have to know my tool uh, is going to be the number one. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be linked. So it'll be in the show notes and, and mention that, please. But the thing, like, if I can give a short plug just in terms of concept is that we priced Page Optimizer Pro so that people that were like, you know, the one person band or a small agency that are just getting started, they can get access to enterprise level data, not at an enterprise level price. So that you don't have to make a decision between our tool and, and something else. And if you like the ideas that we talked about on, you know, we need to hit this math and we need to give something that Google will want, that's what POP does. So if you like those concepts, that's what I've put into, into this tool. But so Page Optimizer Pro would have to go first. There'll be a link in the show notes, guys. Check it out. It's so popular. Oh, thank you very much. The other tool that I really like, and it's, it is a little more on the price point, is Cora. Cora is done by a very good friend of mine, Ted Kubitis, who is also, um, we do like SEO Fight Club and, and stuff like that together. That is, I think, in the $250 a month range, which can be a bit pricey. 
But that, and it is wildly intense. So if you're brand, brand new to SEO or just getting started, this is not the tool for you. But if you are kind of getting on in your journey and you're looking like, how can I find edges? Quora is the spot to find those edges, especially in your very competitive niches. After that, uh, a, a tool like a Screaming Frog, I think is around 100 pounds a year, give or take. And that'll give you all your technical stuff. If you like more dashboard stuff, Sitebulb, Sightliner, those are all uh, in the same vein and all very good. Then if I had to do a curveball, I would do Copyscape because I'm spending a lot of money on my content. I want to find if somebody's stealing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a DM- DMCA takedown. I spent all the time, money, and effort, and I'm not going to let some clown you know, <laughs> ride my coattails. Yeah. So you know, if I'm spending you know, 100 to $300 you know, easy at the end of the day for a page that I'm putting up because I know it's going to rank it's going to have the best chance to rank. I'm not just going to have some Yahoo steal it. And for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, I can do a copyscape search and just double check and make sure that, that I'm not, somebody isn't taking away the valuable work that I've done. Yeah. The last thing that I would do would be like an SEM rush uh, type tool because it's extremely feature rich. It's going to give you your backlink information. It's going to give you scores and stuff like that too on backlinks. If you're a little more cost sensitive, go majestic then because that'll give you the backlink data and, and give you what you need. The last little thing that I would put in is um, learning Google Sheets. You can get away with, not get away with, you can excel by learning Google Sheets and pulling in um, Search Console API. And you can actually, it's much more cost effective. It does, there is a learning curve, but once you've got those sheets set up, you can get really good reporting, really good data. You can create any kind of model you wanna create out of it. And then you've got your own proprietary stuff and you look really cool to your friends. Or um, that's how you can get agency IP is, is in doing Google Sheet scripts that where you're pulling in Search Console and maybe Google Analytics data. And you can get better reports. You, know, you have a better idea what's going on with your site. That's, a, that's really cool. And you can take that from like the most basic version to yep. what you're talking about. In fact, the people that are in my mastermind, they use Google Sheets for tracking each of their pages and everything like that as that's well. That's what we use in our agency are just fancy looking yep. Google Sheets because you can yep. make them look pretty. Yeah, you can make them look good and you can make them easy to read. You can put the things that you want to check in at the top. Like it's like the most common thing. So Kyle, this is really fun. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. There will be a link to pop in the show notes, but if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where can we send them as well? So my group is internet marketing gold. It's internet marketing.gold. If you go right there, that is the paid premium version. We do have a Facebook version you can search for and find that is free. But within Internet Marketing Gold, that's like, it's a monthly subscription, but I answer any all questions. Ted, who I mentioned, answers any all questions and a whole series of experts do. But each month we publish 10 tests on Google's algorithm. So you can actually see like, what's going on with Google? Well, we're looking at it. Each week we publish the top 100 factors. These are the top factors and how they have moved. And then you also get complete access to 18 courses, including my new course on Whitehead SEO, if you want to learn how to do Whitehead SEO. Uh, as much as people think I'm black hat, by the way, I get fun fact. There's a Google rule that was written for me in the guidelines. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> but I'm a white hat SEO, which yeah. I think is hilarious. You know? <laughs> I'm just still going to say congratulations anyway. That's oh, cool. <laughs> I, I've got it on business cards. I, I pass it out on the street to people. I'm like, did you know? Google. I, I basically run Google. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my best part of like with this whole thing that happened, and this is a story for another day, but was that there's some dude in, in Mountain View with a PhD in computer engineering and high-level math, and 
he's he's my I'm his job for like two or three days. The years of schooling to track me down online had been really a disappointment. It's been absolutely excellent, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much, Kyle, and all listening. Most of you will be listening. Before we go, I want you guys to think of two to three people who either own a website business or are about to own a website business or want to own a website business. They must know what what we talked about, about SEO in this podcast. It's absolutely vital so they can know what to be doing and know what not to be doing and and kind of learn the 80-20 here. So please do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them. And also they, so they can find out more about Kyle and what he's doing as well because he's doing a great service to our industry. So thanks again, Kyle, and thanks everybody for listening. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much. 